0: Actually, have just to start us off, as always, I do have a round of transfer guff. So, uh, again, if, if you're not acquainted with the round, I have uh, picked two transfer stories that I have found on the internet that I think are from reputable sources and have some vein of truth to them. And I've mixed one in with uh, a fake story I took from my FIFA save file. And it's to my two colleagues here to figure out uh, the fake from the real. I use in giant quotation marks. So Uh, This week, lads, uh, all of these stories come from the Daily Mirror. As we all know, is a very, very reputable source of transfer news. Um, So, feast your eyes and ears on these stories. Our top story today, uh, obviously, comes from the Daily Mirror. And they're talking about Shane Duffy. Okay? So, he thinks... He, in particular, is uh, John Cross, the main correspondent for uh, Daily Mirror. And he thinks that Shane Duffy is going to be subject of a pretty massive transfer bid from Celtic, okay? Now, uh, the idea is that basically Shane Duffy will be enticed to go to Celtic because of Champions League football. Um, Now, obviously, Celtic are kind of short on funds, really, because Duffy's been quoted at quite a high price. So what they're thinking of doing is offering some of their star players in return to Brighton, which would be their main striker odds on Edward or their star midfielder, Oliver Incham to basically sweeten the deal. So essentially, that story is Shane Duffy going to Celtic and Edward and then going the opposite way. OK, so our second story um, involves Arsenal, would you believe? Again, from the Daily Mirror and John Cross again this time. And he's reporting that the coronavirus pandemic apparently ruined Arsenal's offer they had for Willian uh, from Chelsea. <laughs> uh, so Willian, again, potentially had a, uh, more than likely out a contract at the end of the season. And Arsenal were going to be first in with a pretty massive amount of money and the report claims that they were going to offer willian 250,000 a week for two years that was the offer that arsenal were supposedly going to offer and so that again that's a arsenal to willian or willian to arsenal rather um, although considering the amount of money you could argue it's the other way around uh the last story then uh comes from daily mirror's rumor mill uh and it involves joe hart now Joe Hart, as we know, has been let go by Burnley, and uh, not a lot of teams are biting for him, to be honest. But one team that could be biting for him is his former club, and in fact his first club, Shrewsbury Town. Now, it's been described as a very ambitious offer from the League One side, but they're trying to take advantage of the pretty massive like income they got from the FA Cup uh, draw with Liverpool. And they're thinking they can use that money to basically entice Joe Hart into the club and maybe offer him a coaching role that hasn't said in the report but I assume that could be part of the deal so uh, yeah that, that deal that story is Joe Hart to Shrewsbury Town so as a summary the other two stories are Shane Duffy to Celtic uh, with Edward and then Cham going the opposite way or uh, William to Arsenal so my two colleagues what do you think is the fake story?
1: Um, well I think they're all like coated in bullshit um, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> like I I I don't I can see Shane Duffy is a good and want <laughs> player and highly rated. If you've got two kind of good players in return for one, like he's old enough not to have too many years left in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would Celtic get rid of two good players for him? I I can't see it. The okay. um, so Willian and Ricks, like excruciatingly high wages that sounds like Arsenal in all fairness (laughs) like an old player who's like at the end of his career let's give him more money than our star players and the youth squad that does sound like us and then Joe Hart like you know if it's a boyhood club like they're probably the only people who have enough sentiment left to take him um Mm -hmm. and maybe they can get a deal with head and shoulders um I'm what gonna go chasing,
0: Celtic. Actually. okay, you're gonna go for Shane Duffy to Celtic. Fair enough. Yeah, good reason. Actually, I like I like how you've you've really dug into that to see which one could be the fake story. You'll be kicking yourself if you get it wrong. Uh, Neil, how about yourself? What's your What's your good instinct here?
2: My gut instinct is fucking. You see, William's been linked with us for fucking ages. Mm. You know, like. The, Actually, we've been talking. We actually spoke about this on a previous podcast.
0: We did, didn't
2: we? William William, they've been linked with us. Hmm. So, fuck it. I I, I can think I can remember Duffy. Fuck it. I'll go with the Joe Hart one. Because I can remember, I can remember Shane Duffy stating that he would love, would have loved to have gone to Celtic, mm. or that he would love to go to Celtic. Okay,
0: so you think the okay. fake story is uh, is Joe Hart to Shrewsbury? Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Well, I can tell you that um, you all didn't fall for the uh, first real story, which was from the Daily Mirror, and it's uh, it's uh, An to Arsenal. That was uh, one of the stories they published during the week that supposedly. They had a massive contract offer that they then rescinded because of the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, yeah, and, and apparently their offer was a quart, a, mo- a million a month for two years. Jesus Christ. For William. And
2: he's 33. Who's 31. Yeah, 33. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. No, you're right the first time. He's 33. In all fairness, it is the Daily Mirror. Now, mm. I understand, like, we'll get into it a bit later that Arsenal are a bit of a fucking sham at board level right now. Yes. Even then, I think that's actually, I think that's horse shit. Yeah, in fairness. Uh, <laughs>
0: that's
1: like buying David Louise for 24 million for one year for definite and then an option of a second year. Like, that's that much <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> no one would ever do
0: that. No, that's, that's nonsense.
2: That's nonsense. Then that taking would never out, then Taking out another year on his contract, which is basically like horse wrapped in bullshit. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That would never happen, though. That's too ridiculous. And um, what isn't ridiculous, though, is my other real story, which is Joe Hart to Shrewsbury. They reported that oh! on the day he was released to Burnley, and they reckon that Shrewsbury are the only team that are willing to offer a contract to Joe Hart. Um, that and I is
1: such a climb, then.
0: Isn't it? Um, ironically oh, enough, <laughs> <all of them>. <laughs> 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 ironically enough, another paper Daily Express Claimed that Arsenal were the only ones interested in Joe Hart because of Bert Leno's injury, but now we know it's not that serious. So, highly unlikely to see Joe Hart in an Arsenal jersey. Just saying, just saying. And um, so, yes, my fake story was Shane Duffy to Celtic with uh, Edward and then Champ the opposite way. Yeah, I actually made up the entire Edward and Champ part up. The, the, the FIFA just said S- Shane Duffy to Celtic, and I said that would never fucking happen. So, I have to sweeten this deal somehow to make it sound more legitimate, but uh. Workbot didn't fall for it though, so uh, well done to you. Um, You've got a pretty decent run on transfer Club so far, I must say. Um, it's, been, it's been it's been good going for you. And um, um, speaking of fun, one of our uh, regular segments is back because football's back. It's VAR wars.
2: Pew Pew woo! Woo!
0: So, like I said, we do have, like, there were several incidents over the, uh, uh, at the end of the lockdown, uh, because obviously nothing was happening. So, I want to tell you from, now, the, I mentioned at the start there about Aston Villa and Sheffield United and the fiasco that was the goal line technology and VAR not failing. I'm sure you guys would agree with this, but I decided to mark that as a minus one to Sheffield United because that was bollocks. You know, VAR (laughs) should have, that was complete bollocks. You know, and uh, I, I think that I think we should recognise that as part of the as part of the spreadsheet. So, um, so Sheffield United are minus one. Uh, following on then to uh, match day thirty, then just two incidents to tell you about: uh, Manchester City gain a point because uh, Aguero was uh, given a penalty after Ben Mee felled him, that was VAR approved. Uh, Man United got a point taken off them, minus one, as uh, Bruno Fernandez's uh, dive was spotted by uh, VAR against Spurs, so that's a minus one to them, and uh, takes them off the top spot of our wars, by the way, so big developments there, yeah. Um three incidents to tell you about then in uh, match day 31, as it were, uh, the first one comes from the uh, Spurs game, where Hyun Bin Son, uh, his goal was ruled off by offside, because his uh, his toe was offside, so uh, bad oh, luck there it
1: was such a tight line but I was like
0: <laughs> yes if only he had smaller feet this wouldn't be a problem that's uh, it, it just, that's just bad luck really you know uh, and the other two incidents come from the same game and preferably the same incident the Fernandinho handball so uh, a point goes to Chelsea for the penalty that was given by VAR and then a minus one goes to Man City for the, uh, for the Fernandinho red card so uh, points all round in that one so, as it stands, lads, uh, we have yeah, absolutely. We have two winners currently of our Wars, which is Man United and Newcastle United. They're both on three points. And we currently have two losers of VAR she- of, uh, Wars, which is Liverpool and Sheffield United. They're both on minus four. So, um, bad luck um, to them, I guess. I-, I don't know which way to put it. Um, but yeah, it- it's basically between those two teams to be winners and or losers. Uh, and speaking of Losers, uh, it's time to revisit the P-45 crew. So, that happened a few seconds over the uh, lockdown, but two. They're they're not, I'm not going to count them because they weren't like football-oriented. They were because like the clubs can't afford to keep these managers on. So, in the case of one team, they sacked their manager and asked one of their players to debutise as manager because he's cheaper. So, just saying, bad luck to Nigel Clough, but hey, at least your captain got your job. <laughs> Is that good? I don't know. I I I'm, I'm not following this anymore. <laughs> um I heard stepped
1: down, but now that you're saying that he's like you know, was asked to step down, that makes it a lot less noble.
0: Yeah, this is it. Like he, he it's because like you're you're too much money, and your dad was much better as a manager. No offense. So yeah, step aside, basically. And um, it's pretty sad, really. But the one second that did happen because of football came from the championship, and that was Jonathan Woodgate's Middlesbrough now being transformed into just Middlesbrough, as he they sacked uh, Woodgate um, after losing 2-0 to Swansea. And they replaced him with fucking Neil Warnock. Yes, Tony Soprano's mother. He's back, return of the fucking Mac. So, uh, yeah, well done to them. Obviously, Swansea then get the kill. That's their first of the season, I guess. And um, Just a general reminder, your three, uh, four candidates, I should say, for the P45 crew are still... Bristol City Southampton Tranmere Rovers and Salford City and um, fair to say only Bristol and Southampton can really go for this prize so bad luck to Tranmere and Salford for your league's ending so no one else can get sacked <laughs> on your behalf but good efforts all the same you know you tried your best <laughs> that's all we can say and um, so yeah that's the end of that one uh, now where would where would we be if we didn't have a sat attack lads? Yes. So, as ever, I've uh, scrounged up five questions to uh, tickle the brains of our my two colleagues here uh, to see if you can get them right. So, my first question uh, is this. Liverpool were crowned Premier League champions this week with Alison Becker currently recording 12 clean sheets. But who currently shares the Golden Glove with him? Um... So, another goalkeeper has recorded 12 clean sheets so far.
2: Pope. Nick Pope for Burnley. I was going to go for Pope as well.
0: You can go for Pope if you like. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with Pope, yeah. Well, it's a good thing you were because that's the correct answer. Um... (laughs) 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 She's so happy. I love it. Uh, Yes, Nick Pope currently has 12 clean sheets along with Alisson. Unfortunately, uh, the uh, Burnley uh, smashing against Man City didn't help that, but here we are. Um, next question then so you guys have won a piece Anthony Martial scored his first career hat-trick for Manchester United this week who was the last player to score a hat-trick for Man United
1: oh um oh it has to be Pogba didn't he do
2: you you going for Pogba I'll
1: go for Pogba
2: that's wrong it was uh, Van Persie the Dutch gunk and Neil is correct. It was Robin Van Persie
0: back in 2013. 2013, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 2013. Would you believe it? Um, said a up at the Thank club, me. like, yeah. So, how uh, about that? Neil, you're currently 2-1 up. Uh, I don't think we've ever had someone get full marks in a attack, which you're on so far. So, let's <laughs> see. Let's see if it works. Uh, okay, question number three. Real Jimenez and Adama Traore is currently the best partnership in the Premier League with his highest goal-assist combination between them. How many goals have they scored? So where Jimenez is the goal scorer and Troyore is the assist, or vice versa?
2: Oh, well, vice versa as well. Ooh. Mm. I'm going to say
1: 23.
2: Uh, Jesus, I'm trying to fucking think. Uh, fuck uh, I'll go with 20
0: 20 the answer is 10 and um, you're well <laughs> overthinking that <laughs> but yeah in fairness now it was like it's like nine Jimenez and one triore, so it wasn't that weighted but yeah the, the, they're the best combo in the league and it's 10 goals the other one the or second highest was Aguero and De Bruyne with six but uh unfortunately Aguero wrecked his ACL so that's not going to happen um so uh, still 2-1 then to Neil Uh, question number 4 what La Liga record did Mallorca player Luca Romero break this week
1: oh he's the youngest player to play in La Liga he's like 15 years old
2: Neil do you agree with that he's the youngest the youngest starter is he did he start a game? The youngest starter? Uh,
0: no, I'll take both questions. You're you're both right. Uh, he is the youngest player to ever uh, play and start in a league game. Um, so oh, you both get the point there. And uh, Bert Ball, you were correct. He was he's fifteen years twenty two hundred and seventy one days old. So he's, he's a it. yeah a little little baby. Um. So yeah, three two then, and coming up to the final question then. Seventy-one-year-old Neil Warnock was appointed Middlesbrough manager this week after the sacking of Jonathan Woodgate. How many clubs has Warnock managed in his career so far?
2: Jeez!
1: Oh fuck! Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just jump out with eleven.
2: Fuck you!
0: Nine. The correct answer is sixteen. I have the list. Fucking hell! Starting off in 1980, we have Gainsborough Trinity, Burton Albion, Scarborough, Notts County, Torquay United, Huddersfield Town, Plymouth Argyle, Oldham Athletic, Bury City, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Queen's Park Rangers, Leeds United, Crystal Palace again, Queen's Park Rangers again, Rotherham United, Cardiff City, and Middlesbrough. Neil Warlock has been in the game so long that three of those clubs are fucking extinct. <laughs> That says a lot. Oh. A real, yeah. a, a proper Brexiteer fucking career that man has had.
2: Was um, well, that 16 different positions or how many different clubs? Like 16 different, six different clubs? clubs, yeah. 16 different clubs.
0: Yes. All right. So he's had like, if you like, he's had 18 managerial reigns, but uh, he's right. been at 16 different clubs. So, yeah. Because um, like I said, he, he somehow got a job of and QPR twice because he's mates with the chairman, I guess. Uh, so yeah, Neil. That means you win Sat Attack three two. Well done. Um, <laughs> so, don't worry, Bert Bot. Don't 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 kill yourself because you could win it back in the hand of cards.
2: This fellow Ronaldo is a cop. I don't care. Yeah, I thought he was fucking dreadful. Rob Nibber, he's a guy who ran away and left his wife for a young one.
0: So uh there's a few interesting choices here, but Bert, But I think I'm going to start with you here uh, because there has been some news in the very stalled world of uh, women's football because uh, mm-hmm. we now know where the next 2023 World Cup is going to be, don't we?
1: Yes. it is. Uh, it has been awarded to uh, the joint bid by New Zealand and Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several um, decent bids gone in uh, for this. Um, after the uh, world Cup last year in France uh, They did want to take it to a different Part of the world, i.e. Southern Hemisphere uh, Or somewhere where Time differences would be a factor Because everyone had to tune in To a European time They wanted to kind of, you know Make sure the other teams didn't have too much To... Going back to Europe again would have been c- confusing Or annoying mm. for them, so um, The far-flung places uh, From us um Bids included Japan, um, uh, Argentina, I think. Uh, uh, Colombia, I
0: think it was, wasn't it? Colombia was second, yeah. the
1: second shout. Yeah. Colombia then, and then the joint bid between New Zealand and Australia. Now, I think this has kind of been overlooked when people are looking at the bid and things like that. Um, Japan dropped out last week, uh, or in the last week. Uh, they pulled out the bid. They've got the Olympics coming up. They've got enough kind of going on that they're going to be kept fairly busy. Um, New Zealand and Australia, um, they're hosting the Women's Rugby World Cup the year before. So they are going to have the infrastructure as in transport. I know rugby pitches and soccer pitches tend to be near each other, Mm. but um, they would have the infrastructure. They will have the advertising. They will have hopefully brought in that kind of new audience of people watching women's sport from the rugby. Uh, and transferring that hopefully over which was kind of part of what they were hoping uh, was the case and, and then you had Columbia's bit which in fairness when you look at the technical so you've just um, sent in two uh, reports you've mm. got your technical report and then you've got your pizzazz on what we will do and like, this is the, <laughs> the technical bit, bit is like this is all the infrastructure we have right now and then this is what we will have sort of a thing um, so, Columbus, first the thing in their technical report is that they had no um, grounds uh, in, within their report that were actually up to standard. Okay. And um, the closest being sixteen thousand seats off. Um, so basically, they would have had to have built built like a brand new wing onto the um, the main. I think it was actually their like uh, for the final, uh, uh, the proposed bid for the final venue it uh, was sixteen thousand seats short. Um so they had like I I, I don't know whether it was a mock-up because if it was an actual genuine attempt at saying this is what our stand would look like, it's like there's like um, you know, at Hill 16 in Croke Park where there's kind of a kind of dipped and kind of there's like a shallow end to it, they would yeah. just extend into that with scaffold um and just add in a couple more seats over there. So it was that that's kind of to visualize it, to, to give you an idea of how shoddy
0: it looked. So, so you're um, saying that one of the main but, stadiums for the Women's World Cup was going to be the Tala Stadium on the Europa League night?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> um, that's, that's, as well as that, uh, kind of one of the things that got to me is that currently Colombia's manager is um, settling with uh, multiple players over historic sexual assault. Um, and... To say that, yes, we want women's football. You know, we are so, we love women's football. Uh, Their league is failing because of lack of funding and they've basically been told, well, you can have your own league if you can find someone to
2: fund it for you. But the
1: Colombian Football Association aren't going to fund it for you. So if you can be a sponsor, you're away. But we have nothing, we don't want to do anything with you. Um, Yeah, and their coach is still, I think, their coach despite the fact that he's got these settlements out of court, uh, like, you know, they're settling outside of court to stop his name being dragged through the media all the time, I suppose. But Mm. um, thankfully, uh, despite the fact that a lot of um, big FAs, like big football associations, voted for the Colombian bid, uh, Sense and Sensibility won out, and uh, the World Cup will be held in New Zealand. Um, but it was just the kind of um the approach uh infantino was being interviewed and basically like um it the way the the tournament is voted for is different from when the men so like but I think it's just the size of the brown envelopes that they use for passing under the table yeah. uh, I think the women' are a bit smaller and because kind of daintier I suppose um smaller but um, like you couldn't trying to explain this i was so frustrated reading all of the reports that were coming out about this and it was like the new New zealand prime minister uh has pretty much been getting fantastic publicity during covid for how she's coped with covid um and she's done so many things for equality in new zealand that she's been very progressive and she's getting a lot of like love from around the world um, she rang personally the FA chairperson who was representing the English FA in this bid um, to talk to him. Just kind of like just let you know, you know, will we have your bid? And he refused to take a call. Considering this is the English FA, which you know I've mentioned before as caught several on several occasions, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. But just kind of seeing the the outpouring of distress from um, the. <laughs> the women's soccer journalists based in England it was just, uh, it was heartbreaking just to see how much their FA hates them. And yeah. then it was obviously as FAI, um, you know, as people who live in the same country as the FAI, um, we, we, we can commiserate, we can understand. Like now they're understand, they're kind of seeing what we've had to deal with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so they, they're they my vote for CODs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, again, another... Just a wonderful episode of where of FIFA not really caring about women's football. When let's face it, like if a bid like that came from a for the men's world cup. How
2: can you say that they don't care about women's football? Did you not see United Passions? That documentary (laughs) Sophie the
1: Cleaning Lady Sophie Cleaning Lady
0: Feminist icon. Sophie Cleaning Lady. (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) A a gay a, a movie. That went 20 minutes saying that Seth Blatter wants to make women's football great again and then never looking at another woman for the rest of the movie. That is fucking art. That, Like, talk yeah. about being as on-brand as possible. Fucking genius. Uh, Couldn't, it if,
1: could only have been better if Tommy Wiseau directed it.
0: I'm pretty sure he did, to be honest with you, because I think everybody in that movie hates it. Like... <laughs> Um, even even when they're performing, you could tell that Jeopardy, Je- like Tim Roth, is trying to genuinely try and forget that he's playing Seth Blatter. Like he's trying to like go undergo some sort of like double think that it makes him pretend he's in that other fucking show he's in.
2: You know the kind of way he, he did say that his dad was spitting in his grave at that uh, yeah. at that performance role, and that he only did the movie to get him out of a financial hole. Yeah, he was bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, he, he pretty much was. He, he they offered him the role, and he turned around to the moment look, I need this amount of money. Otherwise then I'm up a certain creek without a certain paddle. Mm. And they went, okay then. And he's like, fuck, I didn't think they'd do it.
1: We were going to spend this money on a women's tournament. No, we'll give it to Tim Roth.
0: <laughs> he's good. I like him. <laughs> I know I know of him. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, that's I I, yeah, I think I'm going to jump in here with my one. I, I promised this earlier in the show. But I'm going to talk about AFC Bournemouth and how essentially they are going to be the next, I don't know where they can put it, the next Leeds, the next whatever you want to call it. Basically, they are another victim of what I kind of call Premier League hubris, um, where they do exceptionally well in the first year with Eddie Howe, and they're a breath of fresh air with the way they kind of like played very honest, if a bit naive football, um, and had like a lot of players that people just kind of liked, um, but they never really did anything outside of that. Um, and again, I think the, re- the goodwill does very much come from Eddie Howe himself because I think he like a lot of the English press likes him because he's a young English coach in a in a time where like good English coaches didn't exist, and then suddenly you had like Sean Dyche arrive and you had other like managers come along, and now in this point now a couple of years down the line you can kind of see that Bournemouth and Eddie Howe are unfortunately a bit overrated because there's been two very concerning trends of Bournemouth and um, that kind of betrays their kind of like little club mentality. And that is their horrendous transfer record. And um, I'm just looking at it now. And uh, to say the least, they have spent, uh, okay, so in, just gonna do a quick bit of maths here. In the last three years, they have spent uh, upwards of 170 million euros on transfers, uh, which again That's some dumb. deals were very, very good. Um, you could earmark the likes of uh, Lewis Cook for seven million. That's a good deal. He's a very good young player. Uh, Nathan Nake for 23. You could argue again, great signing for them. Uh, and perhaps you could throw in maybe David Brooks. He was 11 million from Sheffield. Um, but really. For every good signing that, like that, uh, Bournemouth have done, there is a Jordan Ibe for 18 million euro. There is a uh, Asmir Begovic, which was a good signing at the time, but now he's on loan at AC Milan. Uh, You have a Dominic Solanke, who had one goal to his name when he was with his professional career at Liverpool, and they signed him for 21 million euro. Uh, Diego Rico
1: relegated
0: for that. This is the thing. This is this is the trouble. They have put their faith in the wrong players ultimately, and um, they have tried to sign big money signings and th- like pumped them up. Uh, and again, you could say like, oh well, that was last season. They bought that slanky last season. You know they weren't going to make mistakes like that again. But alas, uh, Arno Danjuma was their star signing this season for sixteen for eighteen million pounds. He's played six games, and he's a left winger. He is the backup to Ryan Fraser which is another story I'll get to momentarily. But this is a constant trend of really bad mistakes when it comes to transfers. Uh, they let go of Tyrone Mings for 22 million to Aston Villa, which is a big mistake considering that uh, Nathan Ake and Steve Cook is now the current defensive partnership. And Steve Cook is the wrong side of 30 at this rate and has had a horrendous season. So if they just held firm, they could have had a defensive partnership of Ake and Mings, which would have been a lot more defensive solid. But, uh, Another detail with, with uh, their squad planning was their goalkeepers. Um, they, had, last season, they had a star season. They had a choice of Asmir Begovic, um, Arthur Boric, who was, let's face it, terrible, and he's still on the books somehow. Uh, and then two, a young uh, goalkeeper called Mark Travers, who debuted against Spurs and had a, a brilliant game that potentially won the match, let's face it, until Son had a season. Yeah, he's fight. a very good
2: goalkeeper. He's a really good one.
0: Yeah, he's only had three games this season. Uh, because Bournemouth have committed to Aaron Ramsdale, who uh, spent the last season on loan at Wimbledon. Uh, so they basically committed, no, this is the player we're going for, and we're not saying otherwise. They had a chance to use Agmir Begovic this season because he went on loan to Azerbaijan on deadline day. And instead of bringing him back into the squad when they were struggling in January, they loaned him out to AC Milan. Um, they've had a massive hole in the midfield because they've relied on Harry Wilson, an on loan player from ourselves, and he's done brilliantly. He is their second top goal scorer. But that comes after they've uh, loaned out Harry Arter constantly, who I think is one of the better players, but gets no, not at all any fucking like praise for it, in my opinion. Uh, they signed uh, Lise Mousset going to Sheffield was another odd one, considering that they signed him. He signed him the year beforehand for quite a lot of money and didn't do much with him. Um, Jermaine Defoe, still on the books, even though he's been on loan at Rangers for two years and now will join Rangers. Okay, this is weird, right? He was on loan at Rangers, right? But for two weeks, he was a Bournemouth player and they could use him. But now they're not because he's going back to Rangers for permanently and he's 39. says more about Rangers, I know. Oh my God. But it's just, it's it's an organizational disaster from Bournemouth because um, they've also had these very disturbing trend about long-term injuries. And um, if I'm not wrong, they have had four ACL da- uh, injuries in two years, Lewis Cook, David Brooks, Charlie Daniels, and uh, I can't remember, a Kyle Wilson, not an ACL, but a knee injury. So you've had this disturbing trend of constant long-term injuries that have just kept going on and on and on. And it interferes with their squad planning. And especially considering that their squad planning has been basically resorting to uh, extravagant transfers on, let's face it, really average players. Like I don't know which parallel universe you live in, but Dominic Solanke is not 21 million euros. Neither is Jordan Ive 18 million at the time, and that same Jordan Ive is now leaving on a free Monday. They're not res- they're not extending his contract. Ryan Fraser running down his contract as well. And he was their star player last season, if you believe the hype, and suddenly didn't get a move. I think he was angling for a move to, to Spurs, I think it was, last season, and he's still angling for a move there. It's not happening, and now they're going to let him go for free. So not only are they not making money off the star players, because let's face it, last season, Bournemouth could have sold Callum Wilson to Chelsea for $40 million. The offer was there. Chelsea wanted Callum Wilson, and they turned it down for $40 million. You now look at him now, and he's only scored nine goals this season. So Bournemouth are, are picking their battles very poorly with who do you want to keep and who do you want to sell. If you, so, fine, if you want to sell Tyrone rings for big money, fair enough. But why aren't you selling Callum Wilson and making money for this club who, let's face it, are wholly dependent on Premier League money? Like, they have the smallest stadium in the, in the league and, therefore, the smallest attendance. So they're not getting any money out of the gates. They have some, some of the smallest fan base – but statistically, their uh, wage packet is one of the highest because they're spending extravagant money on Callum Wilson to keep him there. ake they're on like close to 70, 80K a year. And that's money they're not going to be able to keep up in the championship next year. And let's face it, that's where they're heading. If it's not this year, it's the next year because the malaise is too long in there. Um, they've relied on like uh, players like Adam Smith, Steve Cook, Charlie Daniels to the extent that one of those three will get a long-term injury and can't be used for the season. And you've got a rank amateur, a very rank amateur is unfair, a very inexperienced goalkeeper in Aaron Ramsdale, constantly fighting the Alamo, despite how I I don't see the, I don't see the potential in myself because I think he's been, been thrown into the deep end too quickly. And especially considering in my opinion, Mark Travers is a better goalkeeper based off the matches I've seen of him. And so you've got, Critical flaws in your transfer dealings. You've got no natural money coming in from your club. They are trying to extend the stadium, but that's now at a that's now stopped because of the coronavirus. Eddie Howe is still in the team, in the club, despite not really kicking on and doing something with Bournemouth. Like they they've kind of kept position really, and now they're they've this is the year they've hit the wall, and um, and they've had like they've had periods like this over the year. Where okay, we've had a bad session and now we're going to kick on. We're going to win four games in a row and we're safe. And we kick on from there. Hasn't happened this year, and that's the that's the issue now. Is that they don't have the tools to get out of this mess because Callum Wilson isn't firing. Wayne Fraser is gone. He's out the door, and his replacement is again Arnaud Danjuma, who hasn't had any game time whatsoever this season and has scored one goal. So that's the that's the players they're relying on. And the sad part is this is all self-inflicted. You could have you, you could have easily not had this happen if you just thought about your squad planning. So I don't know if it's Eddie Howe, I don't know if it's the Russian owners, but somebody in there has fucked this up. And they fucked it up over a period of three or four years where they've just let the arrogance of the Premier League get to them. And this happens all the time. It happens to Stoke, it happened to Leeds years ago when they, when they got big. It's 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 a it's a symptom of being in the Premier League too long. If you're a small club and you don't know how to run the business properly, happened to Villa. They got relegated. West Ham, Newcastle, just adds to the line. It's a constant trend with these teams that they completely like screw the pooch when they don't need to. They could have easily not fucking messed this up, but here we are. And um, so yeah, I think
1: when you're a small club and you've made two like I'm just looking at the the, the slanky deals and the I deals like they they're two big fuck ups yes you can kind of you can kind of say like oh bigger clubs can have bigger fuck ups and still survive mm. like you know trying to think like well Andy Carroll for 35 million Um. exactly things like that you, you can survive a flop like that because you're a big club yeah. Um, but Bournemouth can't do that and yeah no I, I agree with you like they're they're fairly doomed in terms like, of money wise
0: exactly if someone with like a business sense was on the ball last year they could have sold Callum Wilson for 40 million and Ryan Fraser for 20 to whoever was buying that's 60 million into the club that you could have used yourself but again I think the reason they didn't uh, sell those players is because they weren't confident in replacing them like they realised they sold they were sold up up in Solanke and Ibe. Who were players that they were touted to be like replacements for players like Fra- like or at least backups for Wilson and uh, and Frazier? Never really happened. And um, they were blessed to get Harry Wilson off us, quite frankly, because he's one of our more talented young players. And um, they've been actually quite reliant on us for players over the years because they they bought client they signed Klein on loan for us uh, last season and he got injured, um, which was not a good sign. Uh, and then they wanted them again in January, and forty that curtail because right, Klein snapped his ACL again. So it's it's been this just constant, constant trend of like, whatever they're doing in training, something's wrong, and whatever they're doing in transfers is wrong, and whatever Eddie Howe is doing to combine all that is wrong as well. So it's just a, a big soup as, of wrong. As
1: an Arsenal supporter, that does sound depressingly familiar.
0: Yeah, and that's and this is it. Like it, it is. Again, it's the same thing for you guys because it's dragging you guys into like a midfield mess, um, and it's dragging Bournemouth down to the championship. You know, it's it's a yeah. it's a telltale story of a of a club run badly, um, and yeah. which conveniently leads to be to you, Neil, because uh, I think you're going to address one of the symptoms of a club being run badly.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And uh, Arsenal, um, hmm. like it's it's absolutely terrible. I mean when you consider how bad uh, the dip Arsenal have made in the last four or five years, that doesn't happen without an absolute catastrophe at boardroom level. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just the fucking, I don't know what's up with the fucking club being one now. Um, there, there are ways big clubs deal with transfers, deal with contract situations, um, deal with loans. And, uh, Jesus Christ, this isn't it. So I don't know if you've seen that the FA actually published a list of agents fees for the 2019-2020 season. Mm-hmm. Um, we have paid, surprisingly enough, we've paid a £13.6 million pounds in agents fees over this course of this season, um, which is £3.5 up. up, oh, sorry, £2.5 up from last season. Um, top of that is... Uh, City and Liverpool with nearly 30 million pounds each in agents' fees.
0: Yeah, it's massive for us. It's
2: crazy. Uh, yeah, Manchester United <laughs> of 27.5, Chelsea of 26, um, Everton of 17 million quid's worth of agents' fees, um, which is crazy when you consider that. Yeah, actually, fucking. Yeah, Chelsea spent 40.5 million pounds, their outlay for the whole 2019 2020 season. Yeah, they paid $26 million in agents fees. Mm. So that's insane. Yeah. yeah. I would have thought
1: we were higher than that. I was,
2: higher than the- I was fucking amazed um, by that. But in any case, that's by the boy. Um, the loan situations with the players, uh, with our four new signings, <laughs> um, are just crazy. Now... Mary, not surprised by... Uh, I mean, we've been saying, I think I said it in the very last podcast and I said it in the one before that as well, that I always expected Mary to made, be made permanent, mm. uh, same with Cedric. Um, but giving David-Louise another um, another year on the contract is idiotic. fucking crazy.
0: It's, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. not even crazy, it's idiotic.
2: Now, the the... the <laughs> thoughts behind it apparently were that he ex- his next he's actually renegotiated it's actually a new contract it's not an extension it's a new contract on greatly reduced terms which allowed us to make the Cedric and Mary uh, deals permanent so he's not on I think he, he was on like 150 grand a week wasn't it
1: it's something ridiculous mm, like
2: that yeah yeah he's, he's definitely not on that now um, so that's something. <laughs> it's a step in the uh, right direction. Uh, it's a step in the fucking right direction, but like it's which so, is
1: something he can't do.
2: yes <laughs> right, right. Um. So yeah, like it's just I don't I don't understand. So the influence of Kia Jorabjian now is starting to really cripple the club. Yes,
0: that um, that's who you're having as your cod. Just to be clear, yeah. is it, is Kia himself?
2: Yeah. It's it's him on the board basically, mm. um, because like. This does There's a real like Wenger made it very, very clear that he wouldn't ever deal with agents like Jarabjian ever. Mm. Um, after an incident, uh, with, uh with, a, with a player where Wenger was told by the agent, Yep, he'll sign for you. That's grand. Wenger went to bed, woke up the next morning to find out that the player had signed with uh, Manchester United. Um, and that the agent was actually just levering Arsenal's interest to mm. get a higher deal. And then right then he just went we're never dealing with these people ever again never yeah that's it no. um so yeah but again like the, just some of the signings that we made like cedric yeah we're okay with the signing but he's injured hmm you signed so, him um, injured and you signed, yeah, Mary signed injured. Him, yeah we signed him injured but we signed Mary. yeah but like cedric is like cedric has had a long-term injury like yeah. Mary just had a niggle you know Mary actually played you know, mm. Cedric has been signed despite not having played a single minute for us um, and it's like, it's just I've no idea what who, who's doing anything, like what the fuck is the thought behind any of what they're doing, like mm. the right hand really does not know what the left hand is really doing and it's it's fucking, it's, it's awful you know, and the problem is is that it's all Jarabjian. Yeah. You know, it's all him. Um Louis, Louise is represented by him. Cedric is represented by him. Um and Michel Arteta as well. Yeah. Uh he works close with Edu. He's William is um represented by him. Mm. So that's the main it, it's enough for a player to be represented by him to be put that player high on the list that oh Arsenal are gonna sign this guy. Yeah. Because yeah. that's apparently how it works, which is, I've got this player on my books. He's not going to be anybody else's books after this. You're going to give him 150 grand a week, and we'll mm. just go, yeah. Sure. It like, occurs you know, to me
0: that it sounds nice. like, yeah, like it, it, sound, it, it occurs to me that Arsenal, it sounds like they're trying to do what Wolves did with Jorge Mendez, where they're trying to have that kind of like special relationship with, a, with an agent so that you can basically get first dibs on players. Now with Wolves, like, they've actually done that really, really well because Jorge has like, the best shout on all the young Portuguese players. And as it turns out, there's quite a lot of them, which is why he'd been able to, play, to sign the likes of Ruben Neves on the sly when teams like Man United were scouting him uh, back when Wolves were in the championship. And even just now this season, they signed the likes of Pedro Neto and uh, Rafael Lau, and nobody noticed because, again, he had first dibs on those players and just immediately fast tracking to Wolves. So it feels like Arsenal were trying to do that, but with like a far, like under, far less qualified agent and with far less qualified players. Like, okay, and again, it's no coincidence, by the way, that like Coutinho has been linked to is considering that he, that's his agent as well. So, like, it is purely the fact that it's such a a law of diminishing returns because now you're only going to get linked with players of that agent. Anyone else is going to be down the shuffle, down shuffle down. Then, well,
2: two two. You know, you know, for just to also to try and do some counter counterbalance that we're not piling in on them. Um, the when the FA put out the list of inter, intermediary transactions, it later turned out that uh, what it turned out as is that um his company Sport Invest UK, um actually represented Arsenal uh, in wobe's 35 million quid move to Everton. Oh well, you know, know. Dollar, dollar. so it, you can say that it sometimes those work with us, but like we're getting killed you know mm.
1: like, can I just jump in there that um, like last season we uh, or it wasn't even last season it was like a couple of seasons ago Mil- mislin staff left because mm. he he had this statistics like we have our own statistics company working with us that you know bring us these players that you know based on the stats, this is what you know you know it's a good investment for us here and Raul Signelli. Um, apparently was like, nah, this agent told me this player's better. And Mrs. Stat was like, fuck this. If you're just going to take the word of an agent over this, you know, piece of paper that says all the stats, I'm out of here. Because like, he was brought in by kind of Wenger's era of stats-based approach and kind of uh, data-driven research in scouting. Um, where around <laughs> Sinelli comes in and is like, Yes, this guy's my friend. He's going to give us some deals. Yes, and uh, yeah, it just seems like uh, we're fucked.
0: Yeah, there's like a serious dependence now on, a, on an agent who, let's face it, like I, as I was saying, like you, you're you're you've got such a limited shortlist now of players you can go for. It's either his way or no way, and it's kind of what like Minaroyola wanted to do with Man United, but fair play, Man United kind of had to cop on to go just tell the fuck off, like
2: just stop around. hanging around. Royola represents so many different players. Mm. Like Jarabjian, I mean, like when you look at the players he kind of represents. Um, who the fuck? Like who? Which of them are any good? He, he represent. He represents. Uh, Kurzweil is on his books. Um, mm. so that's one thing. Coutinho is on his books. We've said that. Yeah. Um, Willian is as well. We've said that as well. Pereira is on his books, but then again, he's contracted at Manchester United until twenty. 20- Fucking twenty four, and he's not that good anyway. Uh, he's not that good anyway. Um, Raquel May is on there, the Atletico Madrid, be oh, yeah. uh, fucking winger. Mm. Um, you know he's out of contract next season. Um, so that that might be a, a good one. But there's not really fucking. There's not really fucking. <laughs> like, but that's it. Like that's yeah. That's much, you know, like, uh, so.
0: Like, like from a squad from a squad planning point of view, like you can like the, the David Luiz like like contract was a red flag for me because, as we've mentioned ad nauseum on this podcast, Arsenal have nine centre backs on the on the books. David Luiz was always meant to be a short term fix for what is essentially an inexperienced back line, and um, but the fact is that like you could really only feasibly say you're going to get a year or two out of Luiz anyway. But considering that he's made what four like. Penalty, sh- like he's given me four penalties for you guys this season, and he's sent he's off a, twice. He's
2: conceded, he's conceded four penalties. Yeah, I think he's been sent off twice.
1: Um, he's had seven errors leading to goals from other teams.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, like, with that in mind, then, and like, again, but gentle mind, like nine centre backs on on the books. Uh, you're obviously not brave enough to sell one or two of them. Um, but what you've done now is that you've pinned your flag to Louise which means now, uh, depending on how the season goes for you guys, you guys could finish somewhere like 10th or 11th. That, is, that really shrinks down what you can do like transfer-wise because very few players will want to go to 10th-place Arsenal. It's a lot better if you're going to 6th-place Arsenal with like an actual potential partnership with Mikel Arteta to go with. Um, especially if you are trying to attract someone like a Coutinho or a Willian to the team with big money. It's not going to happen. Um, but also that now, you are going to force the play to sell a player like Callum Chambers or Rob Holding because now you've said, no, no, we're endorsing David Louise. He's our man. We've sold him for another year, giving him big money. When what you could have done is see the, the forest from the trees and say, we're not going to keep David Louise because we've got Saliba on the way in. And like, that transfer seems to have been forgotten about at a, at a boardroom level. Like you've, you've got this 21-year-old centre-back on the way in. How are you going to play him? How are you going to play uh, Socrates when he's back from injury? How are you going to play Colin Chambers, who is potentially your best centre back or best number six in your day? You don't play him in position. How are you going to play Holding, who is clearly one of your better defenders on his day, but you won't play him regularly enough? Mustafi is still on the books; you won't sell him. Luis is still on the books; you won't sell him. And Pep and Pedro Palovari.
1: Uh, I don't think it's necessarily won't sell. If we, we can't, like, who the it fuck will yeah. sell them?
0: that's the difference you like your your club you have done that that is your fault because you've given these players such extravagant wage packets that they're so unsellable like ozel like ozel like fair play like i wouldn't say fair play to him but and like he's not gonna go anywhere because why why would he like he's he's loaded where he is and like he's in such like down down straights with like with the arsenal team he's not gonna even play football either so he's gonna sit there and earn the money and he costs too much to get rid of so like he's quids in the is is not too far away from that either. Like the, the, like he the, he's not happy playing on the left flank, holding out, uh, haggling on a contract when he's just waiting for a team like Barcelona or Real Madrid to come knocking and say here come play for play for us. We know what we're doing, although they don't obviously. Oh, here,
2: anyway, With regards to the transfer window, uh, for the next season, that that opens end of July, doesn't it?
0: Uh, I think the official window opens uh, August and it closes at Halloween. I think. So it's a fairly long
2: window. Really, I thought it is an opening like end of July, like as soon as the season ends. Yeah, that's I... what I
0: mean. Yeah, it's it basically started. I think the window starts first of August and it ends Halloween, as far as I can remember. All right then. Um, but like I said, like. But the point still sounds like obviously, like you're you're still looking at like nine or ten centre backs in the books when you can only play two or three at a time, and um, it's just it's horrendous bad planning, especially considering that like you've got all these defenders, but you've got a midfield that is like so fucking basic. And, like, wingers and, and wingbacks who are not fit and strikers who are those, like, it's Aubameyang, Lacazette, two wonderful strikers, and you can only play one at a time because now you want to get Ketty on the ball. It's a fucking mess, lads. Like, I, like, we slag off spurs for, like, bad planning sometimes, but sometimes you have to look
2: at yourselves and go, yeah, we're shit too, like. Oh, yeah, like, this is, it's been absolutely, it's been a joke. Yeah. Um, and it's
1: like, like we, we kind of said this, like, Emery was dead set on Zaha last year. And the board decided against Emery's wishes that, like, no, we'll just get Pepe instead. Mm. But neither Zaha or Pepe would have been anybody's top priority at that stage. It was get a centre mid, get a good CAM, you know, get someone in to replace fucking Ramsey. I said, mentioned it earlier on. He is. One of the things that we have missed the most since the, I suppose Wenger left and uh, Ramsey left. Like Ramsey, despite you know kind of deciding he was going to have to leave on a free at the end of the season, played some of his best football for Arsenal because so, you know, perhaps he was trying to showcase to the clubs like what, he, like what you're missing. Like this is what you're missing, Arsenal now. Mm. Um, like, like, yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna. Have to vote on Neil's card for this because I'm directly affected by it, and it was a very close runner for myself to be picked mm. as my cod So, uh, yeah, Neil gets my vote.
2: And I'll go with a uh, forkbot perpetual woman-hating football. <laughs> <laughs>
0: United passions against women. I think is their full United title.
2: Passions, yes. Hey, okay, look, all you have to do is invoke United Passions, and it's 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 gonna work.
0: Yeah. Great. <laughs> Gerard Depardieu is going to save women's football, lads. Confirmed. Uh, yeah, on the and vote here, it's a slam dunk, lads. It's Arsenal. It's it's Kea It's it's everything. Arsenal at an, at a boardroom level are fucking shambles. Like yes. you, can, you, you can laugh at the likes of West Ham. You can laugh at the likes of Newcastle. But lads, they are sitting in a glass house here. You know, like you can, as much as he's wanted, as much as he are aware of it. Like a lot of Arsenal fans kind of don't want to admit it themselves. Like. It, this is not going to be oh, a fun few find years for you. Guys.
2: Are, I think a lot of Arsenal fans, I think you'll find, are only a little too vocal.
0: Yes, true.
2: <laughs> but in
0: fairness <laughs> nice. to you, lads, like look at the likes of like, and I'm sure you're going to hate me for saying this, but look at the likes of Chelsea and Man United. Like they have kind of like they're kind of like a year but ahead of you in a sense where like they have got like people in who have got like a, a certified club identity. Okay, Solskjaer and Lampard are not like experienced like coaches by any means but they represent the club in some fashion. And all you have to do is basically listen to them. They know the club better than the boardroom at this rate because they've been there longer, you know, and um, like seniority kind of goes out the window when you're basically, when you have like fuckers like Ed Woodward running the club, like it's it, listen to the people who know the club more than they do. It's easy. Uh, you can only hire, hope that the Arsenal backroom kind of follow suit on that. Otherwise, yeah, you're, you're fucked. Like you're going to become like a Newcastle, unfortunately. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Anyway, that's a nice depressing note to end the podcast on. <laughs> it's fair to say. Um, but Jesus, yeah. Um, we've been podcasting for quite some time here, lads. I'm not going to lie. Um, so thank you for listening to the whole thing if you have. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see you for the next one, um, whenever that may be. We've got a lot of match days on the way, so you might just like condense everything to more than to just maybe just two podcasts rather than every two Cause uh, yeah, we, there's a lot of trash going on right now. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Um, if you have gone through the whole, whole way, uh, I've been Jonathan. My colleagues as ever, uh, Burke, Bart, and Neil. Thank you for joining us, lads. Always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, especially now that I can close for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, until then, guys. Uh, thank you for thank you all for for your company tonight, and uh, we'll see you next time. Because that was Liquid Football.
1: Woo!